0: Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Guess what? It is that time of year. We are now into our best of episodes. Now, I love doing these because we get to kind of bring it back and highlight some of the most popular episodes that we had this year, the ones that you guys really loved, that you shared a lot of feedback on. And we're going to be starting today with a one that actually aired back in March, March 23rd, and it was with my dear friend and business and life coach, Susie Moore. Now, this episode highlights the book that she came out with earlier this year called Stop Checking Your Likes. And we really kind of deep dive into that theme and that idea of what it means to not get lost in the comparison syndrome that can happen on social media, not get lost in the liking game, and really niching down to build a following and an influence that is full of integrity and impact. I loved this episode, as did you guys. So here is one of my favorite highlights from that conversation. How do you find that balance Mm -hmm. between you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to have the courage over the comfort to try this thing, to do this unabashedly without needing to have the approval from anyone else, without needing to try to control or predict the outcome without even, without needing anything, just okay. being in that.
1: How, how do you get to that place? It's such a good question, and I, I mean, I love it because I, I think I don't take it as seriously as I used to. <laughs> I mean, I think that if there's just one lesson of, you know, just relax a little, like lighten up. It's not often, you know, things aren't life and death in most cases. Uh, just to kind of have fun with it. Be aware that you know, if you're afraid of something, just think, oh, I'm observing my fear right now. This is natural. You know, it's natural to feel, feel fear a lot of the time. In fact, if you're not feeling fear a lot, you're probably not pushing yourself enough. You're probably not doing enough fulfilling your potential. So when it comes to experiencing negative emotion, I just I try and take it as lightly as I can. And you know I you know do a lot of media work and I pitch myself a lot and the whole chapter in the book is called you know fall madly in love with rejection. And I think that if you can take rejection because rejection stings right rejection can cut to our core of I'm not enough, I don't have enough, you know, I I don't deserve to take up space. Rejection can just be like the ultimate like, killer for some people. Um, I like it. I mean, my bounce back rate is very, very quick, but it's something that you train. You learn to expect rejection. You understand that disappointment is a part of life and you can just focus on what you can control. Mm. And there's so much in life that you can't control. I think Arianna Huffington said, you, know, you can't control 75% of things, like you know the, the traffic, the weather, you know, who your parents are, all these things. <laughs> you give 100% to your 25%. And that's pretty
0: Yeah. Something else that I've noticed, at least from my community, of, of why people feel like they need the approval, because that kind of gives them the permission to keep going. So what I mean by that, I'll give you an example. Like if someone says, well... I'm creating this thing that, you know, I don't know if my audience is going to like it. I don't know if I'm going to have any sales. I don't know if I'm going to have any customers. I don't even know if it's good. So if I'm not getting approval, if people aren't buying, if people aren't liking, if people aren't doing X, Y, and Z, then I must be wasting my time. I must be doing it wrong. It must not be what I'm meant to be doing. So therefore I must give up. Now, of course, there could be some give and take there of like, well, Is what you're creating actually providing value to your ideal customer? But I feel like that's separate than than really kind of what I'm trying to get to the core of, of like, why do we correlate this need to, if I'm creating this and I'm not getting this in return, then I must be wrong or I must be doing it wrong or I must not be enough. Mm -hmm. And how can we kind of brush that aside so we can clear out the clutter and really focus down on what it is we need
1: to do? Yeah, I think, again, it kind of comes back to being so serious and heavy about everything, right? You know how, like, human beings are meant to experiment. Like, we're meant to play. We're meant to learn through doing. You know, that's really where clarity comes from. And... Whoever taught us or whoever, you know, where did we learn that we have to be perfect right out of the gate? Like, you do it and it's perfect and then you're winning. No one, no one, no one does that. I mean, we only tend to see the successes and most people don't talk about, you know, what goes wrong behind the scenes. But if you're failing, then you're on the right track. Like, success and failure are the same road. Success is just further along. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just get really comfy. They're like, oh, no, it didn't work out. Do you know how many failed, like, launches I've had, money I've wasted, like I've even written articles that have been killed. I mean, so what? <laughs> like, right. So what? I, I, I truly swear if we could just be a little bit lighter about things, not feel so heavy, not take it all so seriously, not, you know, so deeply to heart, if we can have more of a playful attitude and more of a, oh, so what attitude, then the world will belong to you. And I tell you, you're in the top 10% of people if you can laugh, right? Mm. If you can have a sense of humor when things go wrong, because it, things will go wrong or for the rest of your life, right? So long as you're alive, there'll be things that go wrong. There'll right. be this effort, there will be pain. These things are just to be expected. But if you can just you know, expect them, even welcome them with a bit of curiosity, you know, and just having an attitude of like, okay, well, this is what I'm learning today. It's all temporary anyway.
0: Right. And is there, because my community, they love a step-by-step. Yeah. Is there some kind, and, and it's like basics, I know, but like, do you have, and maybe it's, a little bit in the book, and you can guide us here, a step-by-step step to to reaffirming that confidence, that mm-hmm. self-worth, that ability to keep moving forward, to really celebrating the curiosity and the experimentation. What yes. are those steps to getting there? Because I feel like a lot of people just, they feel so powerless to even be able to conceptualize that.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, one thing that, that we can do, which is really helpful, but most of us don't do it, most of the time we just don't think so because we believe our negative thoughts, we keep them on loop, we love to be so hard on ourselves, is the next time you have a problem, right, or a failure, right, however you perceive it, is to write it down, like I am a loser because, or I screwed up because, or I can't do this because, and then ask yourself, is that a fact? And just think about it, like, is that a fact? Because often our thinking is so fixed. Because it has been few years, you know, a mum said something to you once, or a co-worker did, or there's just something you believe about yourself, and then you can say, "Is this a fact?" And then you can write down what I believe about this. So maybe you have a belief that you'll never be able to make a lot of money doing what it is that you want to do. So if you like, if, you, if your if your belief is, "I'll never make money doing what I you know what I love to do," I'll always have to have my corporate job. First of all, is that a fact? Look for proof around you that it isn't a fact. Because if somebody else has done something, that's also available to you. We're all part of the same universe here. Right. And then also just to write down what I believe about. You can say what I believe about money, what I believe about relationships, what I believe about friendship, whatever it is that's troubling you. And it will amaze you what will come up. I did this exercise recently with somebody. And she had all of these reasons about how things were just not going to go right in her life and how she couldn't, you know, really break this seven-figure mark and how she could never get media. And it's just, None of it was true. <laughs> it's like, what so you don't have to believe your thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And if you write them down, if you just think about it and just really be free with it. Don't write down what sounds good. But just say, you know, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm attractive enough. I think I'm smart enough. I not think I'm qualified enough, whatever it may be. One thing that I teach a lot is I have no qualifications tools, right? As you know, I have a high school education. Didn't even go to college. This is America. We really care about that here. Uh, but I just didn't have the belief that it was actually important. Mm. I just thought, well, what matters is you know my contribution. And if I can show up and add value, that will be enough, and it has been enough. But that's the only thought that I needed to keep cultivating.
0: Mm. And you, you're, you're so good at that. I mean, knowing you at at the intimate level that I'm blessed to, I mean, that is one of your, of your magic and your gifts in this life is that you are truly a believer in, you know, the circumstances are what they are, mm-hmm. but how I choose to think and feel about those circumstances is completely my responsibility. I have complete ownership over them. Therefore, I can completely change them if I want to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes exactly and I want to have fun with it you know mm-hmm. it's not just enough to kind of you know get through the week to you know enjoy your life it's meant to be enjoyed right it's meant mm-hmm. to be you know fully experienced if you're not having fun you are missing that point mm-hmm. I really believe this so strongly and most people don't even think about fun you know it's like well who's got time for that
0: <laughs> well and let's I want to chat about that because I yeah. think that that also you know one of the biggest. um uh, you know, just depletions and people's goals and dreams and joy is this, is this need for approval. And I would love for you to even share with our community of like how your day is set up because it's set up fabulously oh, yeah. the way that you live your life. And it, it's like, it's, it's a true testament to like, you live an approval free life. You're like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, this, and this, and like not give two Fs about what anyone has to say about it. So I would love for you to share that for a moment.
1: Yes. Yeah. So first of all, my only intention, really, when I think about it, you know, we have many, you know, our goals, et cetera, they change. But I always think, you know, am I am I doing what feels right? That's all. Because I feel like we all have this very strong intuition. Most people, well, not most people, a lot of people don't pay attention. But I feel like, am I just being trusted? Am, am I being guided by, you know, my source? That's really just, you know, the question. And I know that the purpose of life is, is joy. You know, Marianne Williamson said that joy is what happens when we allow ourselves to realize how good things really are i mean wayne dyer said that joy is our natural state i really believe this he also said that there's no such thing as stress only stressful Mm. i really believe that and if you think about two people performing any exercise that's the same thing a project a workout whatever the actions can be exactly the same but one person will enjoy it and one person will be stressed out so I'm going to choose to be the former, <laughs> most of it, not perfectly, not all the time I have my moments, but overall, I just think that, you know, joy is my birth, right? I'm meant to be, you know, enjoying my life. I want to be an example of that too for people. I, and I also, I mean, in my book, I speak a lot too about welfare, feeling a lot of shame around that, moving around a lot, living in shelters when I was a kid. And I, I still feel light about these things, you know, because that's my choice now. That's my power. So in terms of setting up my day, my only intention is to be as true to myself as I can be, to have a good time, to be a light, like to, to lift other people up where I can. And yeah, I mean, no alarm clock. I work in the mornings. I work out if I feel like it. I do some correspondence in the afternoon. What feels good? I aim high too. So for example, if it's media, I won't go for like TV or C media. I will go all the way to the top. Why not? Right. We're all just as wealthy as, you know, each other. And uh, then I go for a happy hour around four o'clock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of the time. I mean, yeah. Oh, also, Jules, like, you know, a lot of people had opinions about me moving to Miami. They're like, New Yorkers are all the media is. New Yorkers is where you have to be. And it, again, is it a fact? No. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm driving down here. So, mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that you touched on that excuse because I feel like a lot of times, especially in this online world, you know, a lot of people have this, this idea that you have to be in New York or LA or San Diego or what have you because that's just kind of the mecca where the online entrepreneurs are and da 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 da, da. and that just that isn't a fact to me. I mean, that's just. I wonder. I'm like, what is the payoff in thinking that way? Because mm-hmm. there has to be, there has to be yeah. a payoff to thought, whether they're negative thoughts or positive thoughts, there has to be a payoff for why people choose to think the way that they do. So does it allow you to not take accountability for your life? Does it yep. allow you to continue to stay small? Does yes. it allow you to continue to make excuses? Like what is the payoff for yes. for needing, for thinking that way, for needing approval for all of those things?
1: Yeah, you are so right, Jules. There is always a payoff to every like perceived problem or feeling stuck. And in most cases, it's people are very afraid of change. Most people will prefer misery over uncertainty mm-hmm. we all choose to be miserable in a relationship in a job in a home anywhere in a city because at least you know we, we know it. at least it feels kind of safe it's very natural you know the human brain doesn't like change it feels frightening. it's frightening so it's not but, you know, i know right it's terrifying for most people to think about moving or to think about you know just their family by doing something that isn't you know in, in line with, with what they've always done yep it's so but, true yeah, it, it really is and i think you know Gosh, what what a big world you know, that there is to enjoy. What mm. amazing! I mean, when you think about being alive right now at this time, there's never been a better time. That there is so there are so many ways to make money. There are so many lifestyles that you know, that you could design for yourself. It's all waiting for you, mm. but you have to like you have to take some some steps. In fact, um, I just saw Oprah and Lady Gaga. They were in Fort Lauderdale for her Vision tour, and Lady Gaga said um, she takes little bites of bravery. So you just take one small, like one small, like you don't have to do the, you know, you don't have to pitch the today show, for example, right? Or ask out that person who, you know, really intimidates you, but you can pitch the local media, you can put yourself on a dating app, you know, you can, you can put yourself out there in small ways and it all just, I mean, it all just adds up, you know, day to day. If you think about taking small actions, that's what your life is, right? Mm -hmm. Your life is your series of actions. How you spend your days is really, you know, what the outcome of your life is. Yes, and
0: I I loved actually Russell Brand recently touched on this, and he he actually we we've all heard that quote. I think it was Einstein that said it that like the definition of of insanity yeah. is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Russell Brand redefined it, and I actually like his definition better. He said, um, "Insanity is to engage in any behavior that's making you unhappy, particularly if you are engaging in that behavior to make yourself more happy." <laughs>
1: Oh my it's so God. Like... It's madness. And guess what? Is it's so like a social media too, right? Yes. Yes. Like checking
0: your likes. It's like, we're on social media and we're posting all this stuff because we want right. to be happy and you know, we want to get that, but then it's mm-hmm. making us unhappy because mm-hmm. we're ne- We're neat. It's like what we're trying, the void that we're trying to fill or really why we're intending to do it is not coming from a healthy place. My friends as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. for sponsoring the show. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast, and we are still on our best ofs. Now, today was one of my favorites from earlier this year and was also one of your favorites. It was back in March 7th, and it was with the incredible Mike Hyatt. And during this conversation, he really broke down how to be a vision-driven leader. Some of the questions that you need to be asking yourself, how do you cultivate a team, and most importantly, how you need to show up every day to really create that vision for your business and life so you can lead with success. I know that so many of you love this episode, and here is one of my favorite highlights from it. And you talk a lot. I want to kind of dive more into this vision because I hear from our listeners all of the time that you know, they have these ideas, but they don't know which idea to kind of start diving into first, or they have this vision, but it feels all over the place, or they don't want to get it wrong. They don't want to make a mistake. They don't know how to niche down and what next step to take. So it keeps them kind of in this stuck zone. Right. Right. So I would love for you to kind of share that, that journey of, of having the vision and then taking action on it. Are there steps? Are there tools? Are there things that we can look out for to just start moving forward to get us out of that stagnant zone?
2: Definitely. I think probably what I should uh, do is define what a vision is. Mm. So in the book, I say vision is a clear, inspiring, practical, and attractive picture of your organization's future. Mm. So what do I mean by that? I mean, it's, it's an imagined future. Obviously, it hasn't been created yet. At first, it only exists in your mind. It's generally speaking, a vision of where you anticipate being three to five years out. Now, I have about 500 business owners that I coach on a regular basis through our Business Accelerator program. For 90% of them, we tell them that the three-year, three-year horizon is the right time frame. Beyond that, things get really fuzzy fast because of how fast technology in the world's changing. Less than that, and it's not going to be very strategic. But your vision has got to be superior to the present. It's got to motivate you. You got to be really excited about it, but it's going to guide your day-to-day decision-making, and it's going to be that which you rally your team around, okay? So anybody can do this, but here's not, Julie, and this is, this is key to understanding. I'm not talking about coming up with some short, brief. Pithy, clever statement that you could slap on a coffee mug or wear on a t shirt. Now, sometimes you can do that with a mission statement, and a mission statement is very different than a vision statement. But what I teach in the book and what I advocate with our clients is they develop something much fuller and, frankly, something less daunting, which is a vision script. So, this is going to be more like a three to five page document that is going to contain um, kind of what you envision around four different categories, team, product, sales and marketing, and impact. So that's, I think, a little less scary than trying to come up with this, you know, really, really uh, clever thing that you can put on a coffee mug. That shut me down for years. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm not that smart. I'm not that clever. I'm not that good a copywriter to come up with something that is going to really describe what it is that I'm trying to achieve. So again, anybody, any, anybody who has the will could develop a vision. And the book is really uh, designed to be almost paint by number to walk you through the process because I've deconstructed it. I've now had hundreds of companies go through the process and it works in almost any context.
0: And so those are essentially the four characteristics that you, you dive through, team, product, sales and marketing, and impact, and really diving into what each of those characteristics are and what they may look like. Now, are... Is that characteristic? Is that vision, if you will? Is it allowed to evolve, grow and change as we evolve, grow and change?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, this is not set in concrete because here's here's reality. You can only see what you can see from right. your vantage point right now, right? right? So when I left Thomas Nelson to start Michael Hyde and Company, I thought there's two things I want to do. I want to speak and I want to write. But after I got into it about twelve months, So by the time I left Thomas Nelson, really, once I was no longer the chairman, now I'm out there without a net. I was speaking about 65 times a year, 65 to 70 Mm. times a year. And I said to myself, I hate this. I hate the travel. I hate, you know, all the preparation that has to go into giving a speech. And oftentimes I'd give that speech one time and everybody wanted a custom speech. And I mean, it was just, it was like killing me. Mm. What I could see when I started was that was going to be part of my future. What I saw when I got about 12 minutes in, or 12 months into it was I didn't want that to be a part of my future, at least not to the extent and not in the way I was doing it. Now, the funny thing is, is now I've kind of looped back around. Now I'm speaking a lot, but I'm doing it in a completely different way. And we can talk about that later if you want. But so, uh, so yeah, as you move toward the vision, you gain additional clarity. And one of the things that you often discover is beyond that mountain peak that you can see right now, is not only other mountain peaks, but entire ranges of mountains that you can't see from your current vantage point. So the vision shouldn't change much. In other words, it's going it's to hold true until you begin to realize most of it. But it's something you're going to revisit on an annual basis and true up. And it's fine. It's wet cement. This, this is not like, you know, you go to the mountain like Moses and bring down the Ten Commandments, and for thousands of years, nobody's going to ever change it. No. A vision's got to be more flexible, more malleable than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for, um, sharing that because I think a lot of times people need that permission to, yeah. to, to be flexible and to have the wet concrete, so to speak. And I want to talk a little bit about what you describe as the vision driven leader and vision deficient leader. And you have such a great quote that I want to share that's in the book. Um, you say that when you're clear on what you want, you avoid the pitfalls of vision deficient leaders. You're better prepared for the future. You capitalize on key opportunities because you're better attuned to what will help you move forward. And simultaneously, you tend to filter out opportunities that will distract or derail you. And I think that is huge for so many of our listeners. So can you kind of go through that idea of what the difference between what a vision deficient leader is versus a vision driven leader?
2: When you have a vision, And when you have clarity about the destination where you're taking your enterprise, whether it's small or large, one of the things that that does is it prepares you for the future. So you're not reacting to stuff that happens in the marketplace, but you're actually creating the change. Um, Alan Kay, a computer scientist, famous for saying the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And when you've got a vision, you can begin to invent it and move toward it. So you can be prepared for the future. And I describe in the book the difference between Kodak and Apple. You know, believe it or not, Kodak invented the digital camera. You know, and and they developed it like decades ago. But they could never get management to approve it because management couldn't envision a future without film. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Kodak went bust. It took Apple to really launch the vision for digital photography. Mm-hmm. You know, there were digital a lot of digital cameras, but they put it in your pocket with your phone. And I don't know about you, Julie. But the number one thing that motivates me to upgrade my iPhone has nothing to do with making phone calls. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? I mean, I make I make very few phone calls, and that technology really hasn't improved, and it is what it is. Right. But uh, but it's the camera, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's all the features of the camera. So that's one way in which having a vision um hurts you if you don't have it and helps you if you do have it. Another thing which you mentioned is just missed opportunities.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, when you have a vision, it makes you alert. Sensitive, aware of the opportunities in the marketplace that are congruent with your vision, and that you can fold into what you're trying to achieve in the world. Contrary to that, you miss a lot, a lot of opportunities if you don't have a vision. Again, you're very reactive, and and for a lot of people, as they begin to become successful, and this is kind of like another mark of a deficient, um, or somebody that doesn't have a vision, a vision deficient leader, is chasing too many opportunities. Mm. The more successful you become, the more opportunities come your way. And the problem is is that those opportunities are actually distractions masquerading as opportunities, and they can absolutely be your undoing. So the reason my publishing company back in, in the early '90s failed was not because we had a lack of opportunity. We had too many opportunities and no vision. There was no way to filter the opportunities, so we were doing everything that came to us. You know, we were doing adult trade books, that's what we started with. But we started doing gift books. We started doing children's books. We did books for teenagers. We even did a massive Bible project. And it was all of that that scattered our attention and our focus and our resources and inevitably uh, led to our failure. So the vision can act as a filter Mm. to filter out distractions, to enable you to see opportunities, and to move forward. And then just, I think another thing about a vision, and I I go into six of these in the book, but just another one that I think is worth noting is it's easy without vision to quit too soon Mm. because business is hard, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, you think, well, I started it. It's awesome. Well, just wait. You know, as you begin to scale and you begin to add people, as you begin to take advantage of other opportunities, you're going to get to the place where you encounter what Don Miller calls the messy middle. You know, that's that point at where you've got too much invested to quit, but you're not sure you have the resources to finish. And so you you get stuck or you want to quit. And I tell this great story of a company called SwiftKey in the book. And there was like these three entrepreneurs that started this company and they, they wanted to, to develop a new software keyboard for mobile devices that basically incorporated artificial intelligence. And so we know it today. I don't know if you ever used SwiftKey. I was a Early user, but it allows you to type by swiping. Yeah. And so the new Apple iOS actually has this uh, built into it now. So the Apple has its own version of it. But SwiftKey was really innovative. They ended up selling their company to Microsoft about five years after they started for $200 million. But one of the partners dropped out after two months because he said, this is harder than I anticipated. It's more work than I anticipated. And he sold his stock to his partners for the equivalent of what you could buy a bicycle for, oh, like gosh. a thousand bucks. Ugh. He said it was the worst mistake of his life.
0: Yeah, I would say so.
2: He just didn't have the vision. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's what it cost him. Without vision, the people perish. Without vision, you're going to give up on your dream.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today's episode is another best of, and it was one of your favorites this year. It comes to us from the incredible Taryn Newton. This was back in May. Now, this episode was all about how to land brand deals and really how to shift your mindset that's really needed to make that impact. Now, Taryn is a mom, and she's also a lifestyle blogger, and Taryn went from literally making zero dollars to making $50,000 in just one year off of brand deals alone, and she shares exactly how she did that. Now, what I love about Taryn is not only is she a student of mine inside Pitch It Perfect, and I've gotten to meet her there and really support her success and see her grow from all of the strategies that she's learned, but most importantly, she uses what's available to her. Once she got into Pitch It Perfect and really learned the strategies that she needed to take her to that next step that she wanted to go, she was unstoppable. And she really shares how she was able to do that while also being a full-time mom and a full-time wife and a full-time all the things. You're not going to want to miss this one. Here we go.
3: For me, I felt like I got success when I was able to actually connect with my audience. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And then it grew from making $0 in 2017 to now I'm a six-figure blog
0: business today. Amazing. In two years. That's incredible. How, okay. How did you find your voice?
3: Um, Honestly, I just stopped caring about what others would think, one, and then stop trying to fit in the mold. Mm. Um, And I felt like that was very key. Um, You have something to offer. Everybody does. But you have to be able to not be afraid of that and just put it out there. And so I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to just show moms, women, that you can be yourself, you can have pitfalls. Sometimes we're scared of like saying I made a mistake or this didn't work. Um, And I openly share that. And so I felt like when I stopped caring about what the outcome may be, that's when I saw success.
0: And I would love for you to kind of break that down because I think that that's where the authenticity is, right? Like you were doing it this one way, like this way that you thought, I don't know, maybe you thought you were supposed to do it or it's, because it, I, I have a very similar journey of like, I was trying to fit myself into this box because this is what other bloggers look like. And this is what other bloggers were doing. And I was, you know. Buying all these clothes from Nordstrom just to return them the next day, and like buying all this lighting equipment that I knew I wasn't like going to use. It literally stayed in, in the garage. And you know, my husband is like, "What are you doing? Like, y- you my have more to gone. offer here."
3: My husband's like, "Our budget,
0: right? Like, <laughs> I, I can't afford for I you to like, you know, keep doing all of this um, on top of having a full time job." You know, yeah. and so, you know, I would love to dive into that a little bit more. Like, you know, you you kind of just it sounds to me like you just kind of got tired of like whatever that rat race was. And yeah. you're like, what's the point? I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> so when you started to kind of tap into who you really are and using your voice, what what did that look like in your captions, in your posts and what you decided to share? What was comfortable exactly. for you?
3: Um, so I became more of a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband calls it long-winded. But <laughs> most of my captions, I'm I not typically, you rarely will see my first beginning sentence sell on this top. You know, that's just not my voice. I tell stories at beginning and in all of my captions. And so that was a big thing is that I wanted to start storytelling and taking people along on the ride and doing life with me. And so that's kind of how this process started. I started not stressing so much about getting the perfect picture anymore in my, you know, in mm-hmm. my content. While I do think quality is a big reason of why I work with brands, there's a way to get authentic quality pictures at the same time. Um, And so I really just stopped trying to think of myself like as this model walking down the street, you know, and just snapping a picture, you know. So I just really had to make my content more real life. And then make my, um, my captions more storytelling to be able to really connect my audience to me. And then naturally, then I just became like people's friends, sisters, you know, and they just started doing life with me rather than, hey, um, she's just trying to throw these sales down my throat, you know?
0: Yeah. And then with that storytelling piece, I love that you use that word because I think that that's everything. Did you have to learn how to write that way, or did you just kind of start writing and then, like, saw what stuck, saw what felt right, and then f- just through doing it became a better storyteller?
3: I, yes, that is exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> normally, my captions are very long to start. Now I'm a little bit better at it, but in the beginning, I would just kind of, like, write all of my thoughts, and then I would kind of cut it out. Sometimes my husband will look at it and be like, people are going to, like, cannot read all this. This won't even the Instagram's captions. And so, um, but no, I did just kind of put it all out there and then I kind of sift through it and clean it up a little bit. But I just kind of tell stories through my captions and bring people along. And that's very important to me, even when I work with brands. Um, Now that I'm at the point where I'm at, I'm very honest with brands up front to let them know that I have to be myself and I have to uh, do storytelling captions because people will want to work with me and convert on any products when they feel that they're invested in it. And so people just started investing in me and wanting to know more about me when I just started storytelling.
0: Did you see your, um, and, I, and I say this, because I don't really care about numbers, but I say it in terms of the impact. Did you start to see your following grow? And not only your following grow, but people really become invested in in your brand and in your message and what you had to say when you started to make these shifts?
3: Oh, absolutely. Like I kind of feel like it was important. 2016 was an important year for me to learn my mistakes, but I don't feel like I was successfully blogging in 2016. Like to see where I'm at now, um, I had no influence. I was just out there snapping pictures. I had no rhyme or reason. It wasn't authentic to me. And so I definitely feel like my audience grew, my influence grew, um, my conversations just grew with my audience. And yeah. for me, that is so important to me to really connect with my community.
0: Mm. And I, I love that you're bringing this up. Cause I think it's such a great reminder that, you know, for like what I keep hearing from your journey is that you just took action on things. You would take actions on things that you were like, okay, that was a mistake. I definitely don't want to do that. I definitely don't want to be that. and then you would take actions on other things, and I think that that's the biggest difference that I see between those content creators who are successful and then the ones who feel unseen and unheard for the entire time that they're trying to do it is that the successful ones they're they're not afraid to take action and see what happens and learn from that and keep going and going and going and um and I love that you that you mentioned that, and you you talked earlier about you switched up your game plan. What did that look like? Like we just talked about the storytelling from that. What are some of the tools? I know Pitch It Perfect was one of them and we can talk about that in a a bit, but what are some of those other tools and strategies and methods or whatever you want to call them that you started saying, okay, this is, this works for me. This is the game plan that I'm going to start to invest a little bit more time and energy and resources in, because I think that this is what helps people this idea of a, of a roadmap, of a step-by-step is what helps people niche down. So what did that look like for you once you figured out how you didn't want to do it?
3: So I think there's two different aspects. You have to have an aspect where if you want to work with brands, if that's what you aspire to do, that you have to kind of have a brand that is a brand wants to work with you. So you have to think about that. And then you also have to think about, well, how can I balance that where my audience is also equally connecting with me? And so some of the tools that I did in order to do that was first, you have to have a platform that looks like brands want to work with you, where people want to come to your page and feel like you're serious about it. So I had to rebrand. So that meant, like, redoing all of my branding, redoing my website, and just making it user-friendly for my community, but also for, my, for brands to come there and understand who I was. Mm. Because if you don't really make a clear message for people to understand what they're coming to you for, then nobody's going to understand it. So um, I had to rebrand. I also had to get consistent because, I mean, a lot of times people like the idea of myself included where I wanted to be this blogger, successful blogger. But I wasn't really putting the time and I wasn't doing everything I needed to do in order to have a successful blog. And so I was just like, all right, telling my husband, let's just go snap a picture. And maybe five days later, I'll go snap another picture. It's like was no rhyme or reason. And so I got myself organized on a content calendar. I just got more consistent with my content. Um, I did content that made sense for the time period, whatever was relevant at the time. And so I just got serious about my brand with consistency and then also the aesthetic of my brand as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And combine those with other tools that kind of brought this all full circle and where Everybody just started taking me seriously, my audience and brands.
0: Mm, I love that you brought that up about I call those people dabbling Debbies. Yeah. When they're like, I really want to do this, but you know, I may just kind of like do this here. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll take a photo. Like there's there's no consistency in what they're doing. And, and
3: then, um, football, I feel like when people come to me asking questions, is it's so important at first you just get consistent. Whatever your consistency is, you have to have your audience needs to know that they can count on you at this period
0: of time. Yeah. And what if, what, what about that person that may come to you, Taryn, and say, well, you know, it's not that I want to be a dabbling Debbie. It's just that I don't have the time to be as consistent as I want to be. You know, I've got the kids, I've got the husband, I've got the job. Well, you also have the kids and the husband Mm and job and, Uh, and all the things. So what would be your response or your, are your tips or feedback for somebody that feels that way?
3: I first also lead with, that my consens- consistency may not be yours. Mm-hmm. So I want people to find a frequency that works for their life. Um, it's not like every day, you know, I may post once a day, but some people post twice a day, some may post once a week, but whatever it is, their audience knows. I first lead with that. Secondly, I say that it's very important to get organized, just in general. Like managing all that I manage, you have to kind of put yourself where you prioritize your life. So of course for me, corporate daytime that, is my job. And then in the evening, I have to be a mother first, but I have myself on a schedule for my other blog activities. So first I started creating a schedule that was realistic. And I actually sat down with my husband as well, because he's also the other side of this that has to make this all work. And so we created a schedule that we are pretty firm on just because it will not work without being on a schedule. And so I also tell people to plan out their content while I am a storyteller and I do things real life. You still have to have general concepts. And so sometimes it's hard to execute when you don't even have the thought process beforehand. Right. And so I tell people, gather your thoughts, write down what you kind of want to connect with your audience on, do that in advance. And so then when it's the day, all you can do is just execute it as well. But I plan out my shoots every other week. Um, and you just have to write things out and get organized, however that may be.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you for that tip. I mean, it's sometimes it sounds so simple, but it's like so many people don't do it. Yeah. and And that's why they feel so lost. I think that that's so helpful with niching down.